Hello listeners and welcome to today's episode of Blind Insights. Today I'm putting something on the record, which means you will all be able to hold me to it, which could be a bit oh crap, or could be okay, depends how things turn out. Once my master's is finished, I'm going to write a book. The ultimate hidden truth of the world is that it is something that we make and could just as easily make differently. David Graeber. 1961 to 2020. Welcome to Blind Insights. I'm joined today by author David Olney. How are you, David? I'm good. Not yet an author. I've written <laughs> lots of things. I write lots of blog posts. But you know, I'm convinced now at the end of the Masters, when I get time back, I'm actually going to write a book that's going to have a beginning, a middle and an end. Is it like one of those things where you can be a writer without ever having anything published? I think that's a, I think that's a, a status that you can hold. I'm sure that, you know, writer says you just write. Mm. Maybe author is it's been published. published. I don't know, there must be a reason why these words are different. Yeah. Like in my case, again, enough of you read my blogs to know that I write regularly. Mm. I'm having to write stuff for uni. I write stuff for clients. I write stuff for work. I write stuff for all sorts of things. But, you know, I finally realised... And it's an interesting thing to realise because people have always told me that I write well. Mm. And yet in all the years I was involved uh, as an academic and now being back being a student, I can write in that environment, but there's no real joy in it. Mm. I'm just using the skill I've got. Whereas the interesting thing with the idea that I now want to write a book is, well, I'm going to find out if I can actually enjoy writing the thing I want to write, that I actually think... What's the point of learning all this stuff unless I consolidate it into something that in a single source people can go and read all these things I've put together and hopefully get some value out of? Mm. I think a lot of people would encourage you or would be really looking forward to a book that you've written. So. Oh, the number of people who are encouraging me and looking forward to it and offering to read it is actually part of that whole thing of, well, I've now put it out there in the public realm. I'm going to do this. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of people disappointed in me if I don't. It's interesting. It's an interesting market because writing a book is a, is is very intense, but also there are a lot of books out there and I think there are a lot that don't really don't see much light. No, and that's one of the great kind of fears is to put all the effort in mm. and go, what if no one reads it? But then I think I'm at the point with having learned so much in all the things I've done, being a student, being academic, being a consultant, being a podcaster, now becoming a communications person on top of everything else. Mm. If I don't start capturing it in a consolidated way soon, I'll never keep track of everything that's gone in one end of my brain and come out the other. <laughs> you are 50 now. That's a... <laughs> I'm a grown-up, at least on paper. As so I keep saying to people, I'm 5.0. <laughs> I, it's an interesting it's an interesting thing because I think you and I have read enough books uh, that seem to cover very specific subjects and then I, I reckon we've read a few as well that seem to collate all of that information yeah and that's very much what I want to so listeners you know I have no idea what the final title will be other than the fact that the important concept I'm calling comprehensive competence and what I'm arguing is that's what we need and what we have is paradoxical specialisation. So one of the 
you know, potential titles bubbling around in my head at the moment is why I can design your comms plan, but I can't go out and safely gather food in the forest. Yeah. Colon. <laughs> yeah, the need for comprehensive competence and the ineffectiveness of paradoxical specialization, which is too big a title, but it gives you the essence of where I'm heading. Okay, so can you sorry can you expand it feels as if i can expand on all sorts of those yeah bits. well i i so start I, with comprehensive competence well, sorry i'm just a little confused is 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 not being able to gather anything in the forest meaning that you're more of a specialist or that uh, what, what is comprehensive competence not sort of being a master of none well this is this is still what i'm working out for the sake of the book mm. but the final trigger for me to want to write the book and i will have to acknowledge this in the book because i think it is important I uh, was reading David Graeber's, or well, listening to David Graeber's final book, mm. The Dawn of Everything, where it changes your perception of the fact modern humans have been modern for a very long time, yeah. quite possibly 200,000 years. And modern humans didn't have technology and didn't have a lot of the specialisations we have now, but they had some things that gave them more freedom and more power than we now had. And really my idea for wanting to write about this thing called comprehensive competence comes from there. And what Graeber and Wengro talk about is that people could say no to how their little society functioned mm. and leave. And because of the way hospitality worked in the tribal world, find people who would give them another shot. Now, that is an amazing thing in itself, but what I take that all to mean is these people had a comprehensive competence. And how I will define it in the introduction of the book is they could say no to the way the world is and society is, leave knowing they'd be okay on their own for a while, or if they and a few friends and a bit of their family left, that little group could be okay in the environment. Between a group of people you could find food, make a shelter, protect yourself from any kind of predator, know what things to avoid, know what was safe, because all that was a comprehensive competence. And that because of the rules of hospitality in the tribal world, you could run into people and if you shared the same spirit totem or animal totem or plant totem, you could go, hi, um, could we live here for a bit and maybe get along with you guys? And they'd go, well, yeah, because there was more stuff and space than there was people. Mm. So what I'm talking about comprehensive competence meant is people might have had small specialisations, like someone was a better artist, someone was a better gatherer, someone was a better hunter, someone was you know, better at hardening you know, a, a spear, the tip of a spear in a fire. Mm. Someone was better at napping flint. But most people could make a sharp edge with flint, knew what berries to avoid, knew what plants to eat and when they were ripe knew how to at least basically hunt and fish, knew how to build a basic shelter, mm. knew what to be careful of in my predators. So there was a comprehensive competence that said if a bunch of us found each other on the edge of a stream and we hadn't met before, we could probably find a way to form a little group and go, let's see if we want to make something as a group, shape our society. How are we going to treat each other? How are we going to treat children? How are we going to see gender difference? You know, what are we going to do to make a group where we all feel valued and included? Mm. And as I compared that to the world we live in, 
A lot of our podcasts have been being frustrated by the state of the world. And take the David Graeber quote we have at the beginning. Mm -hmm. The ultimate hidden truth of the world is that it is something that we make and could just as easily make differently. Mm. Whack. <laughs> yeah. Rewind 15 seconds and re-listen to that quote. Well, the world is something that we make and could just as easily make differently. Mm. Now think about these ancient people going, I don't want to be part of a culture that does blood sacrifice. No, I'm leaving. Mm. I don't want to be part of a culture where the aristocrats demand from me and my family, even though we have lots of space and stuff, and I can walk somewhere where we can make a different society. And the tribal evidence is people either broke the societies they were in if they weren't fair mm -hmm. or just walked off. Now let's imagine today, mm. you know, you're in Ukraine yeah, during the current war. I was thinking of that comparison immediately, yeah. You can walk off if you're really lucky and the Russians don't kill you on the way out. You can walk into Europe. Will you get a different life? Yes. Do you have much control over the nature of that life? No. You will get a three-year visa to be a resident of Western Europe. You will be expected to learn the language where you land and get a conventional job and be part of a conventional society that says feed the machine. Mm. Now, is that better than being stuck in Ukraine under the Russians? Absolutely. But is it freedom in the way that ancient humans had? No. Are you free to make a society that reflects what you value and what you've learned? No, you get to be a Western citizen at best yep. with everything that comes with that much of it is good but you aren't free and you aren't comprehensively competent you have a specialization if you are lucky that you will trade into western europe as the person with the three-year visa to go look i'm valuable but i need the language skill to apply it or if you're a kid you will go to school to be turned into the sort of citizen the society values who can learn a specialization that you will be paid to do you'll do okay but you aren't comprehensively competent mm. you are reliant on the system to a degree where you can't ever leave and you can't ever be outside the system and the, the european system is pretty bloody good but are you comprehensively competent? No. Mm. So that's one side of what I mean comprehensive competence to be, that humans just aren't as capable of building things in small groups as we need to be to have the freedom to build a better world. Mm -hmm. The second way I mean it is a strange observation from being blind, mm -hmm. but that I've also noticed in other situations where things get uncomfortable for people. And again, I'm blind, so I'm using sighted people as the example because it's the one I have. But most disabled people I've talked to have talked about a similar thing. They're out in the world doing something and you suddenly realise you need some help and suddenly someone wants to offer and they start moving you away and they maybe even start the conversation of wanting to help. Then they get really uncomfortable because they've just had the realisation they want to help, they don't know what to do. Mm. When you're out in the street and someone's fallen down like an old person, how many people nearly move and then stop? <laughs> when something happens like in a store, like if you've ever been in a store and someone just collapses, most people turn for a second, but only maybe one in the group at most goes and helps. Mm. And everyone else goes quiet. Why? I think it largely 
And this is the bit of the book that's just going to be me from observation. And I will have to go research and see if I can find the answer. I think it's because in most situations, like Rutger Breckman says, most people want to be kind and want to help. But we discover we don't have the competence the minute we go to move. Mm. And then we're sad that we don't know how to help. And then we're kind of ashamed that we don't know how to help. So I think one of the most devastating consequences of paradoxical specialization, this fact that modern humans, we all have amazing skills, but they're skills that only work inside the full system. (laughs) And that if the system doesn't want to remunerate us for them, we struggle. So you are encouraged to get a, a paradoxical specialization that the overarching system values, whether you particularly value it or not. And you can function in the system, but you don't determine the system as a whole. You can't change it as a whole. And when a person near you needs some help in a way that doesn't fit any of your paradoxical specializations, you have a feeling of inadequacy that you don't know how to help. Right. And so I'll be the really first. ties to like community feeling because we like to help other people. Yeah, yes. that makes so much sense. And I will be the first person to say in so many situations, I would love to help somebody. I don't know how. And I'm going to be completely honest because if I'm going to write a book criticizing paradoxical specialization and pushing for comprehensive competence, one of the biggest ones is the ability to help in little ways, just people you meet or people in your world. That I actually think part of the level of anxiety in our society, the level of stress, even the tiredness, because there's a tiredness from intensity but there's also a tiredness from not knowing what to do. Mm. I think a big part of anxiety, stress, tiredness, that all contribute to the epidemic of depression in our society is not doing, not knowing how to do little things that help, not having broad, comprehensive competence to just reach in a hand and know what to do in a myriad of little situations. Yeah. So I think we need to know how to help just someone on the street in a small way. Like, you know, someone needs just basic first aid. Someone just seems a bit distressed today. How do you be supportive in a safe, comfortable way? We, and people who love to learn like you and I love to learn. A lot of people love to learn. Most people have no idea how to teach and struggle when they try and help someone else to learn. Because mm. they can pass on the enthusiasm, but they don't know how to help someone else learn faster that's a massive way to feel more competent that's why i love being a teacher and will always teach even though it's not my formal role anymore because it's such a good way to feel competent in this comprehensive way of helping other people Mm. um little things again i can't do lots of little things because i can't see to do them but just being able to do little things like karen cooks i do all the cleaning up after you know, once a week I'll resharpen all the kitchen knives so everything's holy and sharp for. They're little things of, do they really matter in the scheme of things? Not in the way people think they do, but they actually really do matter. They really do matter that in your day you do little things that make the world you make work better. There's a million little comprehensive competences that all help a little bit. Mm. Help you and your family, you and your partner, you and your immediate community of friends to function better. I send out the drinks email for drinks at the University of Adelaide Club every two weeks. Is it a big thing? No. But it helps maintain community. 
that is an important part of comprehensive competence. Right. This is a point that you can possibly go back to our discussion with the effective altruists as well. Yeah. If some of these things are sounding like not big deals because you know they're only small actions, I think that's an easy conclusion to come to when you're concerned with trying to fix you know poverty or mm. in Africa or even uh, assist in whatever way with um i think there are charities and stuff at the moment for people in ukraine and mm. th- th- there are these large world issues that make you know picking up a little bit of rubbish in the street when you see it seem insignificant mm. but the effect of helping your immediate circle your immediate community your immediate environment actually has a way bigger impact on who you are as a person makes you feel competent yes and with competence comes confidence so we're also back Mm. to the episode with roly stewart about me learning to use a cane yes roly got me to the point of a high level of competence so i could then start to be confident Mm. about pushing a bit further but only a bit because confidence is useful to achieve more competence Mm -hmm. and then with more competence you can push out a bit more because of your confidence about your competence mm-hmm. to increase your competence so you need competence to have confidence and with confidence you increase your competence and the more you increase your competence the more you can have the confidence of extending your competence further <laughs> that paragraph is gonna suck when i write it it's no, just gonna awesome. be it's <laughs> just gonna be a tongue twister but as much as this seems little my observation is all those moments where people feel inadequate are little but they add up. But they add up, and they mm. add up in huge, devastating ways to people feeling, I can't shape my life, and I can't help to shape the life of the people I care about, and I can't have an impact in my community the way I want. And you don't fix this by getting another parax- paradoxical specialization. Yeah. In the first moment, you fix it in the first by getting more little skills that mean you feel more connected and more able. So when you do go get another paradoxical specialisation, like me getting a master's in communications, (laughs) I'm not doing that to make up for still not being able to help. I'm doing it on top of all the little things I try and do. And that's what I realised is why I'm not stressed about doing the master's, why I'm not stressed about lots of things. Mm. Because lots of little things I know I do and I know I do them okay. I wish I could do more, but some are just really hard being blind. So I put more effort into others. So I don't know how many chapters I'm going to have. I think you need to be able to have a comprehensive competence to help other people in a small way, like, you know, just with first aid. Mm. You need to have a, a comprehensive competence in just knowing how to talk to a stranger in a reassuring, non-threatening way. Being able to cook a meal for people. Yeah, being able to, it, and even if you couldn't cook the whole meal, mm. can you roll your sleeves up and help? Peel the veg and do the dishes. Can you at least reduce the burden? Can you help plan an event for friends? Mm. Are you politically aware enough that if you joined a club or an organisation, you know how to help structure the way it builds its culture and how it functions? So it functions well, people want to be there, they want to be involved, and it doesn't get dominated by somebody. Just being able to build a small structure. So I think... You know, when I have more time at the end of the Masters, I really want to find all the experts in sortition for us to interview for Blind Insights. Totally. But I also want to maybe have a section on, you know, 
why something like sortition, randomly picking people to be in charge and supporting them if you're an expert, mm. is a form of comprehensive competence. We all need to be able to take on leadership roles. So we all realise we're listened to and valued. But everyone should be listened to and valued, but not all the time, or we lose the effectiveness of moving quickly. You, you know, one thing you can do, and I didn't realise this until recently, if there's a particular party, small party, that you like that doesn't have a federal like a federal candidate for your electorate, you can, for instance, let's say it was the Greens, it makes a lot more sense because they got money. Mm. You can stand up to be the candidate for that electorate. Like it's, for instance, there are electorates that don't have Green yeah, candidates. Yeah, like they've got to approve of you. But the point is you yeah. could choose to get involved in the seat where they... And this it is seems the inaccessible, but... It, like It's it, not. It it's really not. isn't. <laughs> and my point is that so many things in life seem like too big a step. Yes. So what the book's really going to be about is the little steps to get to the point where you've got enough competence, you're confident about your competence, that the next step isn't big anymore. Mm. It's just a logical progression. You know, so part of this book is going to come out of a conversation that Luke and I had over dinner where we were sick of reading books by alphas. <laughs> Another SOCOM book, We Kicked Ass. Yeah, you know, yeah. We kicked indoors and shot people in the head and took names. Yeah, blah, blah. It's very cool. Would have loved to have done it at 22. Would have broken my brain like it's broken so many other people's brains and probably broken my body if my eyes had worked. Still would have done it because yeah. I wouldn't have known the life I've got. But in reality, I've had a better life by not being able to do selection and kicking doors and shoot people in the head, even though that would have been my aspiration, which says a lot about just how odd my brain is. That is the first time I've ever heard you describe it in a way that suggests that your current life is preferable. Yeah. Which is weird because it's such a deep thing in my brain to go, actually, kicking indoors. Yeah. Because it's adrenaline. But maybe, actually, it's not turning 50 because I don't think it's a time thing. I think it's a realisation that what's the point of all the information I've crammed in my head? When was it finally going to consolidate into something Mm. that has made the studying and the learning reach some sort of point where it all clicked? Yep. And to me, this idea of comprehensive competence is everything's finally clicked. What was the point of all this learning? The point is, you know, alphas waffle shit mm. that none of us can live because we're not alpha. Mm-hmm. And even if we are, would we want to be that version of alpha? <laughs> Probably not. Would I still love to meet Andy McNabb? Yes. Absolutely. Because he's a true good psychopath. Yes. He's so far over the line and chooses to control it. It seems That's like those people have to exist. Like it's Yeah. And we need the people who are willing to kick indoors and shoot people in the head. Because, you know, as we, episode we recorded, you know, about what's going on in Ukraine. Violence ain't good, but it's the only way to stop some people. You know, we go back to the heart and the fist with Eric Greitens, the need to combine courage and compassion. You have to have the compassion to do what's right, but the courage to put people down who see violence as the way forward because they can dominate with it. Mm. Anyone who thinks they can dominate with violence needs to be taken out. <laughs> well, guess what? We've got plenty of books on that. I don't need to add another book on that. What yeah. we don't have enough books on is how to get to the point where you have enough competence to be confident to try slightly more difficult things. And your part of reading Brooke McAllery's book, Care, is realising there aren't enough books of all the tiny steps to get people who have felt overwhelmed moving. Yeah. And I'm not going to write a book for people who felt overwhelmed because I don't know what it's like to feel overwhelmed. The predominant thing I feel is pissed off 
of wanting to do more and help people do more. So I can't write for the overwhelmed. Or dealing with people who above you, hierarchically above you in a stru- like in a structure mm. who are incompetent. <laughs> yeah, well, again, <laughs> which I've, is also, I've dealt with a shit ton of them. Yeah, it's also <laughs> extremely frustrating. Yeah. yeah. Well, and even there, I'm not sure what we can do for those people other than big things threaten them. So maybe what I might find when I work on the Comprehensive Competence book is the way to have the biggest impact is to do things in such a small way that you're always moving, mm. but it doesn't seem as threatening to other people. Because mm-hmm. I know I've made a lot of people feel very threatened that just my normal rate of functioning makes them look incompetent. <laughs> That's been a normal part of working in organisations mm. full of people who are there because their personal fiefdom is about them maintaining power, not making the organisation move fast. I've had too much experience of that. Mm. So there's going to be multiple chapters in this book. I still don't know what they are. All I know is every time I get an idea, I write it down, or I think there's something I need to reread, I write it down. At the moment, that notes file is nine pages already. Awesome. And at the end of the Masters, I think my aim, I hoped that maybe it could be six months of research and then six months of writing. Mm. I don't think it's going to be that short. Okay. So what I might do is six months of research, six months of writing, a couple and then of times. another year of yeah. the same cycle. Yeah. So get a first draft that people like Tim can start reading, but automatically know I'm rolling into draft number two. Mm. So what I hope this means is by the end of 2024, it's in the form where and this is the annoying thing, I'm not going to be able to read the audio book because I've got no way of reading it and reciting yeah. it at the same time. So Tim and I are going to have to find someone to read it and spend a heap of time in the studio with him to get it out as an audio book, work out how the hell I release a book as a Kindle book as well. There'll probably never be a paper copy unless it does really well. I'd love it if there could be a paper copy because I'd love to be in a position where I could use the, the royalties. And I don't think there's going to be a lot of royalties because who's going to read my book? <laughs> a few people, but not a lot. Mm. But I'd love to be able to use the royalties to buy copies and donate them to libraries so that there are hard copies in libraries. Or maybe we can even find a way to donate electronic copies into libraries. Mm. I'm sure with your understanding of the digital world, we'll be able to work out how to do some of this stuff. Rich in Texas has said he'll help where he can with making sure people in America know about it. Now, that will probably be the thing that makes the royalties bigger. Yeah. Is if something about me resonates with people. But yeah, it, it, it's kind of a weird thing because, again, Luke and I, the night we had dinner, had both kind of realised, you know, he very nearly wanted to go down the alpha path. Mm. I would have chosen the alpha path. We both ended up on a different path. It is a better path. Mm. But in my case, it's a different path. It's probably only, yeah, since making the decision to write the book that I even, when prompted, can go, actually, it is the better path. Mm. I still don't like being blind. That's fine. But... It's a better path. Mm. And the consequence of realising all the bits do come together in a way in this strange idea that as many of us as possible need comprehensive competence because it makes us healthier and happier and better contributors Mm. to a system that we can't change as much as we should be able to. But the only way to get better at changing the system is to be confident about our competence to push at a micro level, that the system doesn't squash us like a bug. (laughs) That we can push it gradually and slowly and other people can see what we're doing and choose to push with us. That's the way 
to get meaningful change. Mm. You know, we can't radically change the democratic system. We might better get sortition in a company, sortition in a uni, sortition in a hospital, and that will then grow. But it has to be, in a sense, what William Godwin called evolutionary revolution. And that's my note for the day, that comprehensive competence is a methodology for achieving evolutionary revolution. I feel as if that's a Not strong a statement to end on. Yes. So with that, as the first promotional... <laughs> the first promotional audio yeah. for the untitled book on yeah. the benefits of comprehensive competence over paradoxical specialization. Uh, it's an excellent um, starting thesis. I think everyone is going to be very... Um, Lots of people are going to be bugging me a lot. Receptive, yeah. Well, um, maybe that's good. So it probably is. Take it that, really is. Take that as an um, a, a open invitation audience to bug David on uh, how is the book going. Um, yep. Just not too much until the Masters is finished. <laughs> no, no, of like, course. <laughs> after November 2022, feel free to bug me more regularly yeah, about the book. Give it a year. Because then yeah. I think we'll have to do something like a six-monthly update for those two years yep. so I can at least tell you how things are going. Because that will be something that, you know, unless I get stupidly busy, it will happen hopefully at that time frame. And even if I get stupidly busy, I think I will still at a minimum dedicate a day a week to this because I think I just, I've got to get that book out there. Otherwise, what's the point of everything I know? In some ways, I feel as if you owe it to all of the wonderful teachers in their forms of you know whether it be an author of a book or mm. or real people that have taught me mm. or real people that i've taught but something they said has stuck with me and made me go away and learn stuff you know like again my other thing i'm going to write down now at the end of the day i remember being in a car with a major from two commando who said something very heartfelt he said david they keep studying everyone who's broken why don't they study people like me who okay do I wake up you know, on a cold sweat occasionally? Yeah, but I'm not broken. Mm. And maybe if they understood people like me better, we could make sure people don't get broken. Mm. Well, that got me into the literature on post-traumatic growth. Post-traumatic growth is going to play a role in comprehensive competence. <laughs> you have to realise that through struggle and pain comes growth that is good. Yep. And you have to know that to be confident that pain won't break you, which is another way to build comprehensive confidence. Wow, so I've got two big ideas out of today. I have to go home and write them down. <laughs> well, thank you, David. Really, really appreciate you sharing. And thank you, Tim. And thank you, listeners. Bye. Hello, audience. Thank you for listening to Blind Insights. If you're enjoying the show, please remember to subscribe and share your favorite episodes or leave us a review if you really love us. We'd love to hear from you. Get in contact with us on Facebook or Twitter at Blind Insights or send us a recorded question to the email in the description to feature on an episode. Also, don't forget that we have merchandise. Thank you to the OzCast Network. Peace out. <laughs>